always encouraging uh, hearing the words in Christ alone. Um, the message today, um, I think we're going to remind, it's going to be a reminder throughout the entire message, the significant impact Christ has made on the life of the believer. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, join with me. We're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 8. Uh, we're going to study, uh, continue our study in the book of Romans. And we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11. Again, Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 9 through 11. It tells us in God's Word, uh, starting at verse 9 in Romans chapter 8. You, therefore, are not in the flesh. Uh, Paul is referring to the Roman church. He's writing to. This is the you referring to. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, again, to this Roman believing church, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, because of the sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We see this pronoun you over and over again. So let me pray for us and let's see what the Lord is teaching us here and verses 9 through 11 about himself. Our Father God in the heaven, Lord, we come right now, Lord, to the preaching of the word. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to uh, the God, the word at this time, Lord. Help me, Lord. I am so weak. I need your help. Help me preach your word faithfully. Let us not be distracted, Lord, by other things. But, Lord, let us be attentive to your word. Help me, Lord, right now to be faithful to your text. If there's anything that's in your word, Lord, is, um, anything that's in my note, Lord, that's not from your word, remove it, Lord. Um, let me preach only, Lord, your text and your word, Lord. Um, let me honor your word, Lord, at this time. So help me, Lord. Give me strength. Give me the wisdom, Lord, to preach your word faithfully. And let your people be here today, be encouraged by your word. They all, Lord, and myself, Lord, we all are in need of your word, Lord. So give us your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of the things that uh, we benefit from as being American citizens. The first thing I can think of is, as a child that becomes an American citizen, they are given a birth certificate. The birth certificate is used for them to be able to identify that this particular child is actually was born on a certain date and is now a citizen of the United States of America. Another thing that is given to a person that's a citizen of the United States of America is actually a social, social security card. Everyone has one in this room that's actually a citizen in America. You're given a SSN, I believe, a social security number. The third thing I can think of that American citizens, somebody that's a citizen American gets is they're given the alienable and alienable, the alienable rights of being a citizen. You're given everything that's within this constitution of America. 
And what these three things are for Americans is that these things are guaranteed for every citizen. They're guaranteed these things. They don't have to ask for them. They're automatically given to them because the country guarantees that everyone get these certain benefits. If you lose your social security number, your card, you can go apply and get another one. Lose a birth certificate, you can apply and get another one. These things are guaranteed for American citizens. Am I right? They're guaranteed. Well, more important than being an American citizen, more important than a birth certificate, more important than a social security number, is the guaranteed nature of being a believer. As a believer, we are guaranteed things in Christ. The things we're guaranteed in Christ is way better than everything else that we are given in this world. And so our message today is going to remind the believer that for you, he's talking about to this Roman church of believers, even for us that are in the 21st century, for us as believers, we are guaranteed something as well. And family, this is important for us to be able to hold on to as believers. Because sometimes we think we lose these things. We think we don't get, we are not guaranteed these things. Family, we are guaranteed these things and not, not based upon condition. Just like someone is born. You can be born a certain color or ethnicity. You can be born a certain height. You can be born a certain weight. You can be born any type of way. But being born as an American citizen, you are guaranteed still a birth certificate. In the same way as the Christian believer, no matter where you stand at in the midst of as a believer, some might be more mature in this room than others. Some might be more, uh, 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 been a believer a lot longer than others. All those things might be the case, but at the end of the day, we are still guaranteed the same thing as believers. I found this is crucial. This is crucial. Because sometimes we feel like the Lord has turned our back on us. Sometimes we choose anger, we choose violence over trusting the Lord because we forget what's guaranteed for the life of the believer. Sometimes we struggle with depression, anxiety. We struggle to question, oh, am I a true believer? Am I truly walking with the Lord? And that's what Paul is getting to here in Romans 8.1. He said, there are now there therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He reminded them that you do not get condemnation by being in Jesus, but you're guaranteed life in Jesus. So Paul is putting that in. Because Paul knows how fragile we are, we weak we are. Because when we first look at something we shouldn't look at, we start to question, am I really walking with the Lord? When we choose things that are not in Jesus, we go to those certain things and say, am I truly in the Lord? And we always try to condemn ourselves. And we feel like, well, the Lord has turned his back on us. We are condemned. As a believer, a lot of times we go straight to that. But Paul lets us know that he was a sinner. He's a sinner just like us. And Paul reminds us that, is that even for himself, there was no condemnation for him. Family is no condemnation for us. No matter what labels my people might be putting on us, 
but it's no condemnation for us that are in Christ Jesus. That's what we've been learning, and that's what we've been walking through here the last few months here at Christ Redeemer Church. So today we're going to jump in. Today we're going to title this message, Christ Guarantees Life for Us. Christ Guaranteed Life for Us. We're going to do it in three points. God dwells in you because you belong to him. The second thing, the spirit gives you life, not death. And the third thing here, Christ's resurrection guarantee you will get life. Christ's resurrection guarantee you will get life. So let's jump to the first point here. God dwells in you because you belong to him. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. I mentioned as we were reading this you, this first word we see here in verse 9, you is referring to this Roman church. The Roman church are our church of believers. He's not writing this letter to unbelievers. Better yet, you have the book of Thessalonians, you have the book of Philemon, the book of Colossians, all these books that we know of that I just mentioned, Colossians, these were letters written to the churches in these towns. And these churches were consistent of believers in the churches. And Paul was writing these letters to the churches to encourage the believers in their walk with Christ. So these are members of the Roman church. So you are the follower of Christ. But hey, here in the Greek, I'm going to say you, however. The word however, actually in the Greek, is the word day, D-E, which means the same word as for end. So Paul is continuation of what he's mentioned in verses 1 through 8. It's that you, however. So Paul is not disconnecting from verses 1 through 8. He actually talks about those that are of the flesh, but now he's going to move now and say, okay, However, you are of the spirit. Now I'm talking to you. This end connects us what was said earlier in, in Romans 8. Paul talked about in those verses that what does it mean to live according to the flesh? This reminds me of, you know, you have two kids in a room. And you're dressing one kid over here, right? You deal with one thing over here with one kid, and you turn around and say, now I'm talking to you on this. So Paul, in a way of, in a way of he deals with this, with, what does it mean for those that are walking in the flesh? So it's a possibility that some people in this Roman church were actually living in the flesh, and they wasn't living and walking in the spirit. So now Paul turns around, and now what does it mean to talk to those that are in the spirit? Listen to verses 5 through 8 here. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind, but even though he mentioned about spirit here in verse 5, he still is making a point about those that are walking in the flesh. His whole point from 5 and 8 is talking about those that are walking in the flesh, pretty much those that are unbelievers. 
Look at verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. A believer is not hostile towards God. It's for those that have their mind set on the flesh. So Paul is making a contrast over here. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So for those in the flesh are over here, and those that are in the spirit are over here. So Paul is making a, a, a difference here. Those that are walking in the flesh are those that are following after the things of the flesh. So Paul makes it clear that those in the flesh is not walking with the Lord. And for those that are not walking with the Lord, for you that are not walking with the Lord, condemnation is for you. That's what you get. You're a guaranteed condemnation. You're guaranteed that. Condemnation for those that are walking in the flesh. You're not guaranteed life. But now, he encourages the saints. And he let them know what it looked like to be in the Lord. He tells us now, starting in verse 9, that the people of the Spirit look like this. How do they look? You have the Spirit in you, not in the flesh. You have the Spirit in you, not the flesh that's God in you. That's why John reminds us in the church in 1 John 2 about not being in the flesh. Do not love the worlds or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. From the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. On the other side of this, but whoever does the will of God buys forever. The flesh doesn't honor God, but dishonor God. But the spirit honor God. See the difference. And if the spirit is in you, that means God dwells in you. Dwelling is not just sitting down with someone in their home. Dwelling is someone that's moved in to the home. Have you ever had somebody move in? And you give them a couple days, you give them a week, and next thing you know is they're running a whole year. Had ever happened before? Well, in this case right here now is that God didn't just come in and just pay rent for one day. When it came into the life of the believer, family, he at home now. He's in the life in a he's dwelling in the life of a believer. Elijah, he at the crib. The Lord is in us. The Lord is in us. And he's dwelling in the life of a believer. God has moved in our hearts. And now he's at home with us daily as a believer. Family, we have the living God who said, let there be, and the light came to be. Let there be, and the world was formed. Let there be, and mankind was created. The same God that told the water not to go too far. The same God that, that brought about that, that ark for Noah and his family. The same God sustained everybody from the universe. We're so close from the sun. Can easily, we're moving around the axis and going around the sun, and all of these things are happening. But guess who's sustaining us? It's our God. The scientists and physicists have mentioned how close we are. If the earth shifted this way, the earth moved this way, we all can burn up. 
or even how the earth is moving. Somebody been hearing about the tide waves and the currents and all this. We live in a big magnetic, electromagnetic field. How the whole earth and the waters and the waves, everything is shaped to be. That's the wisdom of God. So that same God that designed everything, the, the spots on the cheetah. Cheetah's my favorite animal, y'all. The lines on the zebra, the pattern. The one that counts the grains of sand. That same God that I just described here is the same God that's in the life of the believer. Can y'all just imagine that? Matter of fact, we don't have to imagine that. It, it's actually realistic. It's, it's, it's true. It's, it's absolute. That God is in us. He dwells in us. And so God cannot be condemned. If he's in us, we can't be condemned. If the living God is in us, right? So we condemn, that means God gets condemned. And that's not, that's impossible. God cannot be condemned. So family, yes, our flesh is weak. Our flesh is fragile. But the spirit of God is in us is strong. So we're not God about the flesh. We're God about the spirit that's in us. And the spirit is in us, want us to wonder God, under God at every single moment. We're not God about the desires of the flesh. We're not desired by the, we're not God about the things of the flesh. We're God about the spirit of God. Because the flesh wants to honor the selfish desires. Right now, we live in a society now, it's just a go for everything. We talked about it yesterday. Mankind now does what is good in their own eyes. If they want to do this, whatever feels good to mankind, they do it. Whatever the desire they want, mankind do it. That's what society we live in. But the true people of God, we're not the God about our own, our own way, what's good in our own eyes. We're God about what the Spirit of God has put before us. That's the difference. So as a believer, are you God about a spirit? You God about a spirit. But an unbeliever is God about a flesh. That's why those that are of the flesh do not have the spirit of Christ in them. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to him. Also, did you notice that Paul is using the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ here interchangeably? This right here shows us right here the unique nature of Christ and the spirit. The personhood of both of them. This is led to know that Paul is associating Jesus to be God. So we can easily see the significance of the trinity of the life of the believer. That we get the spirit of the triune God in us. But what is better than that as well, which is saying is that the God of creation rests in us as well. I don't say better than that, but not only we get the spirit, we also get the father. We also get the son. This just show you in the life of the believer. We have the triune God working in the life of the believer. And by doing that is that we'll never be cast out. Because what I just mentioned earlier, God's not going to cast himself out. By us being in Christ and Christ being in us, God's not going to cast us out because we are united in Christ. Amen. So if God is in us, we are with him forever. Even though in the good times and the bad times, 
So Christians, remember that God is dwelling in us. So don't give in to the flesh, but remember that since God is in us, we will not be condemned. It's an encouraging word for us this morning. Amen. That we who know the struggle with the flesh, I know myself the struggle with the flesh daily. Dealing with pride, anger, selfishness. Easily I can see how my flesh roars up. But I, when I hear a text like this, I'm so encouraged that my flesh and my own selfish desires doesn't guarantee my final state. But what I'm guaranteed is Christ forever. A lot of times the flesh gets the best of us. If it's anger, pornography, jealousy, pride, and etc. But thanks be to God that Christ now, by us being in Christ, even though we fall short, our past sins, our present sins, our future sins, family, on that day on Calvary, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, all those sins were placed on him. And he took our place. He was punished for us. So we don't have to look back at our past. We don't have to look to the present. We don't have to look to the future of our past and all these struggles we're doing. We can look to Christ. That no charges will be against us. No charges. It's paid in full. This is not a paving plan. You know how some of us got these paving plans going on? You pay a little here, you pay a little here. Family, when Jesus paid for it, he didn't put down just one down payment. Family, it was the whole payment in full. And so for us to be able to realize that what Christ has done for us is guaranteed forever. Amen. He don't have to come back and die again and again and again. It's done once and once for all. So we can meditate on this morning. If you're feeling the, the, just the guilt and what the song just meant, no guilt in life. If you're feeling the guilt, and you're feeling just, just not right this morning, you feel like you did something yesterday as a believer, remind of these words right here, that God dwells in you. And you are forever secured in Christ. And Christ is going to make you new daily. Another reason why we know we would not be condemned because of the spirit. Look at point two here. The spirit gives you life, not death. Look at verse 10. But if Christ is in you, all of the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Paul continued with pushing against those that are in the flesh. Those in the flesh in verse 5 through 8. But those in the spirit has Christ in them. Even though our flesh is dead, it says mentioned here, we are still alive in Christ because the spirit is stronger than the flesh. Our fleshly bodies are fleeting. We all can testify this. Diabetes, high blood pressure. I mean, our fleshly bodies is going to die one day. But the spirit in us will be forever. Because the spirit in us has been raised with Christ. We have given this new spirit now. And one day, we're going to be given new bodies. So the spirit never dies, but is always alive. Because the spirit brings in righteousness, another word that can be used as justification. 
We get the spirit because all the justice was placed on Christ. So we that so we that are alive in Christ is always right with God, Christ. So the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. Sin brings death. Righteousness. The same word that we get from righteousness is the word zadok. It's the same word almost in trans, almost very similar to the word justification. So the person that gets dealt because of sin and the person that gets life because of righteousness because the person of the, the God-man, Jesus Christ, he was punished on the cross. He took the punishment. So the judgment was placed on Christ. That's how we receive righteousness. Not by our own works, but by the works of Christ. So we are righteous, not in of ourselves, because we came to church on Sunday morning. Because we read our Bibles, those things don't make us righteous. What makes us righteous <laughs> is what Christ has done and what he's done alone. One person from Zimbabwe said this about the spirit. You will have tribulation. You will suffer. So Jesus wants his disciples to have a sober view as it were with regard to the contest in which they do exercise their discipleship. The Holy Spirit is available for them, of course. But we are not yet home. We are still in the fallen world. We are still doing our mission as it were. We are still carrying out God's mission in a broken world. Challenges are inedible. Challenges are unavoidable. So our peace does not come from the absence of problems, but from the fact that the victorious Jesus is by our side as we do face these difficulties. So that what brings peace to us is the presence of Jesus himself. By being in Christ, challenges are inevitable. We're going to have challenges in life. We're going to have a flat tire. We're going to have people jealous of us. We're going to have people that try to attack our character. Those things are going to happen in this life as believers. But family, what's better than all that, we have for eternal peace in the presence of Jesus himself because he dwells in us. That's the benefit we get by being in Christ. We get peace and life in Christ. We don't get death. Again, this is only comfort because we are justified in Christ. Christ has took our place. We deserve it for the ways of sin and death. For all of us in this room, we have sinned against God. We deserve his eternal punishment in hell. We deserve it. But Christ took the death we deserve so we can have eternal life. He justifies us so we can be made right. So family, we get Christ instead of death. That's why we are guaranteed life. And since he took our death, we don't have to experience spiritual death again, but we get spiritual life forever. So family, be encouraged that we get life, not death. Again, we don't get condemnation. We get life as a believer. Hold on to this, because trial's going to come your way. Struggle's going to come your way, and you're going to feel like, well, I've been struggling with this for 10 years now, for five years now. And you're going to be coming to this place that, will I be condemned? 
And I want you to be able to grab hold to the truth today when that time comes to say, I will not be condemned. Because the spirit of Christ is in me. Knowing that the spirit of Christ is in me. The spirit of Christ guaranteed that I will not get death. One thing we know, God is not a liar. God has never told a lie. God is faithful in all his ways. And God said, we get life, family, we get life. Your trial doesn't change God's mind. Your failure doesn't change God's mind. It doesn't change what he said. He's a lot different from me when I say I'm going to be there at 10 o'clock and I'll be there at 10.30. God is a lot different from me. God does what he says. And one thing that God says right here, we get life and not death. When I say I'm a little late, who's doing all the smiling around right here now when I use that example? Y'all stop all the smiling. But one thing about it, though, is that God guarantees us, mama, he guarantees us life. Life. And if he said we're going to get it, we're going to get it. And family, that's what we get. We get life. Last point. Last point. Jordan looking at me blinking, so last point. Christ's resurrection guaranteed you will get life. Look at verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through, the spirit, through, through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul now, he like bangs his hands on the table. Y'all know somebody get excited and they start banging their hands on the table? Have you done it before? So Paul kind of like imagery, like Paul is like getting excited here. He's been bars right here. This is homiletics now. So Paul gets down to verse 11 now. He said, okay, I'm telling you Christ is in you, but let me go ahead and take you even further now by Christ's resurrection. Paul like beats on the table like, do you all understand what I'm saying? For those in Christ would not be condemned. That's what he's trying to conclude in here. He now goes to the most significant words for the Christian ears. For those that are still struggling, if God will reject them, they're thinking about those things, but God will reject me. He goes to the struggling believer now. And now he roots their doubts and their insecurities in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That Christ is the perfect example of eternal security. So for those that are struggling with doubt and struggles in life, now Paul points to that now, look at Christ's life. Even though we know Christ lived on earth around 33 years, was born of the Virgin Mary at his uh, incarnation, and he lived a faithful life before others, then he was put to death, not for his sin again, but for our sins. Not for his sin, for our sins. So we will be made righteous before him. Jesus' death wasn't in vain. But it was to secure all those that was given to Christ from the Father. There's no way that a believer is, is secured apart from Christ. A believer must be secured by Christ and Christ alone. And a believer will never be put to death.
For those that say they walk away from Christ, they say they don't believe in Jesus anymore. For those that say that, they would truly never believe from the get-go. Yep. Yep. There's no way Christ can secure you, then unsecure you. Yeah. If that's the case, he's not able. What our brother mentioned earlier. But he is able to secure us. If he's able to keep us from stumbling, we don't have to be afraid. So if Christ lived because the spirit that brought us into a new family, how Christ lived a perfect righteous life, he gives us a perfect righteous life. So we get everything in Christ. Christ has this spiritual inheritance. Family, we get a spiritual inheritance. Christ has this new place he goes to prepare for us. We get a new place he prepared for us. What about a resurrection? Christ was raised. Family, we were raised. We will be raised. Everything Christ has, we get. One person says this. In other words, God promises spiritual resurrection life now for each believer in mortal body and physical resurrection in the future for the mortal bodies. Not only we get a spiritual resurrection from being spiritually dead, but also we get a physical resurrection from being physically dead. Christ's resurrection gives us life in our mortal bodies and our spiritual bodies, spiritual life. So it's a benefit of being alive in Christ. That we get everything in Christ. Everything Christ has, we get. One person goes on and says this. Because of God imputed righteousness, a believer is alive spiritually. The eternal spiritual life of God is implanted by indwelling Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ here and now, even though a believer's even though even though a believer's body is mortal, God is in us. Look at God. Family. Not a chicken or a cow or any other animal, all these other animals. Family, we're the only ones of creation that be able to get this benefit. And not just the only part of his creation, not all mankind get this. Only those that were set apart from the Father gets God in us. So family, as we get ready to end, let us be reminded that Christ's resurrection guarantee you, you will get life. Christ was raised, will be raised. So whatever you're struggling with, look to Christ. Now, if Christ stayed in the grave, it's a different story. None of us have a chance. But since he raised up, we all get life. So you might be struggling today. You might be doing various things you might be dealing with in your life. But don't let your circumstances give you a lie and try to convince you that Christ has left you and that Christ is not in you. Amen. Christ is truly in you forever. Again, our circumstances doesn't define what Christ, who Christ, where Christ is at. Our circumstances doesn't define it. A lot of times, because of the flesh, we experience so many different things and we base our life on experiences. We have to base our life on God's word. On what God's word has said. 
our experiences go and come. Our experiences changes every day. But God's word is not changed. But what God's word is, says is that right here that we are forever in Christ. Let me end with a couple applications here. If you truly belong to Christ, remember that God dwells in you. He's not leasing an apartment I mentioned earlier for a year. He has found a home in you. This dwelling is forever. And the words of, I don't know if it's little John, forever, ever, get on my, ever. Is that what it is? That, that's not good. But family, he's forever in us. God is. He's forever in us. Second thing. Also let these words be comforting to you. That Christ is in you, that you don't ever, you would never be separated from Christ forever again. You would never be separated from God. You are forever in Christ. Everybody say forever. Forever. Forever in Christ. You don't lose, but we win. Not because we won our own works, because Christ is won, we win. Remember that you are forever in Christ. Don't let hard time tell you otherwise. The book Gentle and Lowly tells us over and over. He would never cast out. He would never cast out. He would never cast out. And the reason why I say it is that because he's in us. He don't cast himself out. He's in us forever for those that are believers. Do we go through hard times? Yes. God still used hard times for our growth. He still used hard times for our to make us more like himself. But God is forever in us. Last thing right here. Last thing. If God is in you, why are we continue doing the things that dishonor him? If he's in you, he sees what you're doing every single second that's not godly. If God, if we have this temple of the Holy Spirit, if we are of God is dwelling in us, everything we see, we touch, and we do, God sees it all. So as believers, we shouldn't be trampling upon grace. If God dies for us, we should want to live like Christ. We should enjoy sin. If you enjoy sin, you're not in Christ. But for those in Christ, if you have sin in your life right now, that you enjoy looking at, touching, tasting, whatever you're doing with the five senses. I would say repent. Repent and turn to Jesus. You have bought into a lie. Those things are lying to you. It doesn't bring satisfaction. Only Jesus brings satisfaction. So those things that have lied to you and said come and taste and taste and see and see, those things that are lied to you, might have been gossip, might have been anger, might have been pornography. Whatever those things might be, they have lied to you. Turn back to Jesus. Turn to him. He will truly satisfy you. So don't trust the flesh. Trust in Christ. Pride, jealousy, gossip, overeating, smoking, all these other things, adultery, all of these things are not of the Lord. It's not honoring to the Lord. But it catered to the flesh. 
So say no to these things and say yes to Christ. And for those in Christ, you will say no to those things. That's a guarantee. You're in Christ. You're going to say no. And you're going to run from those things. You're going to get rid of phones. You're going to get rid of social media. You're going to get rid of those things that, that continually pulling you and pulling you and pulling you. You get rid of all those things because you love Christ more. But those that are truly in Christ, because Christ dwells in you. Amen. Amen.